Collider says BritBox has TV everyone should be watching. Stream acclaimed series with powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey and Matthew McFadden. Discover new BritBox original series you won't find anywhere else. Like Three Little Birds, Agatha Christie's Murder is Easy and a new chapter of BAFTA-winning drama, Time. Stream what the New York Times calls the best of British telly, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that does this job simply for the thanks of a great nation. He is the captain. I just do it for the free booze. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week we are featuring Smittick's Irish Red Ale brewed by Guinness. You're going to love the clean and refreshing taste. I love the ruby red color. Garage grade three and a half bottle caps out of five. And now let's give some thanks and praise where it is most certainly due. First up, a big cheers and a bunch of thank yous go out to Kevin H. and the marketing team up at the Akron office. And a big shout out to Stormy in Huntington Beach, California. Now let's go local, Captain. From here in Columbus, actually in the POW area, more specifically, here's a cheers to Lisa M. And a big we like your jib to Stacy in Lewiston, Maine. And last but certainly not least, we have Amelia in Torrington, Connecticut. Everyone we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and contributed to this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you. If you'd like to get more True Crime Garage, check us out on the Stitcher app for all of our old episodes and our bonus show called Off the Record on Stitcher Premium. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. This week, we load up the flying garage ship for a tragic mystery far away. Some may say across the pond. Over to an island in the North Atlantic, touching down in Ireland. As of 2016, the population of Ireland was about 6.6 million people, ranking it one of the most populous islands in all of Europe. The geography of Ireland comprises of low-lying mountains surrounding a central plain. The climate is influenced by the Atlantic Ocean and thus very moderate. The winters are milder than most would anticipate, but the summers are cooler than most of those in continental Europe. Irish culture has significantly influenced other cultures and shares many features with that of Great Britain, including the English language, 
and sports like football, rugby, horse racing, and golf. But none of that, of course, is why we are here. No, we are here due to the result of circumstances that are truly unpleasant. We are here because of Ireland's vanishing triangle, which is a term commonly used by the media when referring to a number of high-profile disappearances. During the 90s, over a span of about five years and four months, at least eight women vanished from an 80-mile area outside Dublin in the Leinster area and what became known as the Vanishing Triangle. Six of these cases are particularly well-known because of the investigations they precipitated. Due to similarities, some believe a serial killer or serial killers were active in this area during this time. The Irish police have set up many investigative operations, and unfortunately, much of this effort has failed to produce any substantial clues. We often see that law enforcement will not show their hand in most investigations as a simple but intelligent strategy. It is only when desperation truly sets in that they do so, and that is the case here with the Triangle. You see, the nature of these disappearances are so unexplained and random that the Irish media needed to create an ominous moniker similar to that of the Bermuda Triangle to truly convey the full scope of this mystery. But the name was created by the media and therefore does not tell us of the level of desperation on the part of the investigators. No, it is their actions that take us beyond the curtain. Most rewards are offered up as a bounty for an arrest, leading to a conviction of a perpetrator of a crime or crimes. In these cases, a reward is offered up for information resulting in the recovery of a body. This week, join us as we take a focused look at the first case in a series of disappearances of young women so patterned and perplexing it became known as Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Annie McCarrick. Annie McCarrick was the only child of parents John and Nancy McCarrick. She was born in March of 1966 and lived with her parents in Bayport on Long Island in the great state of New York. She was very close with her parents. John was a retired New York City police officer. Cheers to the boys and girls in blue. And Nancy was a school administrator helping to educate and raise America's youth. Nancy's parents were born in Ireland, and Annie grew up loving Irish culture. In fact, Bayport was populated with thousands of Irish immigrants, and Annie grew up steeped in Irish culture and Irish Catholic traditions. While she was enrolled at Skidmore College, this was in 1987, Annie took a trip to the Emerald Isle. She fell in love with Ireland and transferred to National University of Ireland at Maynooth in Dublin to finish her B.A. After she graduated, her parents insisted that she return to the U.S. to get a graduate degree, which she did, obtaining a master's degree in English from S.U.N.Y. Stony Brook. But in January of 1993, against mom and dad's best wishes, the then 25-year-old Annie returned to Ireland. Now, she had lots of friends from her college days there, and it sounds like that's really where her heart was. Well, she is going to need somewhere to live when she returns there. So while looking for a flat to lease, she's going to shack up with some of her old friends. This is an engaged couple. Their name's Hillary Brady, which, just point out, that's, that's a man, baby and Rita Fortune. Hillary was the brother of an ex-boyfriend of Annie's. His name is Philip Brady. 
She eventually settled in the idyllic upscale seaside suburb of Dublin called, this is called Sandy Mount, where one of her literary idols, the poet James Joyce, had once resided. Even though she already had a graduate degree, Annie planned to take courses at St. Patrick's Training College to get her degree in education so she could teach high school English. She supported herself by working long hours as a waitress at a place called Cafe Java, where customers loved the, the pretty, sweet, young American girl that worked there. Her best friend from Bayport Blue Point High School on Long Island, Linda Ringhouse, said of Annie, she had a love affair with Ireland. Quote, she loved the food, she loved the people, she loved the music, she loved the books, and she loved the scenery. She jokingly says she even loved the plants. Linda said that Annie told her, quote, it's almost like I lived there in a previous life. Annie was five foot eight inches tall. So a, a tall woman with strong features, intense eyebrows, and an unruly, curly, dark hair. She has been described as vivacious and friendly, a total people person who loved company, who was always smiling and outgoing, but probably a little naive in general about people. Now let's take a moment here to address the setting for our listeners who aren't familiar with Ireland and the Dublin area specifically. The Republic of Ireland is a democratic nation, which had a population in 1993, the year that Annie moved there, of about 3.58 million people. Now, it's a separate country from Northern Ireland, which is much smaller and is part of the United Kingdom. The quiet residential area of Dublin, where Annie lived, is just six kilometers, or about 3.75 miles, from downtown. Ireland is a very safe country in general. In 2017, for example, there were only 41 homicides. Sandy Mount, where Annie's flat was, was one of the safest areas of Dublin. Annie told friends that she felt much safer there than she did back home in New York. In fact, one of the women who worked with Annie at Cafe Java said that Annie would often walk home alone. Sometimes this is even at like three in the morning. Mm -hmm. All right, Captain, on to the disappearance. A little warning here, though, first. Annie was not abducted in the sense that no one claims to have seen her being tossed into a vehicle or to have heard a scream or really anything of that nature. So we are going to go through about three days of what we know mm -hmm. and included in this are some things that have been reported but may not actually be confirmed. These could Some of these things are unconfirmed. So as you will see, there is no clear timestamp here in our timeline where we can say for certain, okay, here is when things started to go wrong, or at this time we know Annie is in trouble. The three days we are going to go through will be a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, with really the day in question primarily being the Friday, March 26th, 1993. Okay, so listen closely, and Captain, chime in if anything I say gets confusing, okay? The police, or Gardee, as the Irish National Police Force is called, were able to reconstruct some of Annie's movements leading up to her disappearance. We know that she worked at Cafe Java on Thursday evening, and when she finished her shift, she had said that she would come in the next day, which would be Friday, this to collect her wages and drop off some homemade pies. She was a was quite the baker. So often the restaurant or whatever you want to call Cafe Java, they would pay her to to bake things at home and then she would bring them in and they would they would sell them there. Mm -hmm. Her next scheduled shift was on Saturday. Okay, so Thursday evening she works tells her employer or co-workers, I'm coming in tomorrow to collect my wages and drop off these homemade pies. 
However, she's not technically working on Friday. That's her day off. Her next actual work shift schedule is on Saturday. So this leads us to the Friday morning. Yes, that's correct. What we know that takes place early on Friday morning, we have her two roommates who says that they they kind of say goodbye to Annie at this point. These are two ladies that she shared her flat with in Sandy Mount in a complex called St. Catherine's Court. The two other ladies, this is Ida Walsh and Jill Twomey, were headed off to visit their families. Mm-hmm. And what they popped into Annie's room simply just to say goodbye. Hey, we're getting ready to leave. At this time, they say that Annie was sitting up in bed and she was knitting. She told Ida and Jill that she planned to go for a walk that day. And we're going to refer to this as... I, I, this to me seems more of a like planned hike, not just a walking around town situation, but in all the reports, it's often referred to as a walk. Hiking seems to be something that Annie did fairly regularly. And we'll get into that a little bit more as that's fairly important to the, the story. Now, the two of them, her two roommates say that they left the flat at 850 a.m. And so now Annie is going to have the apartment to herself for that weekend. She did have some upcoming plans as well. She planned a dinner party for herself at the flat with friends to celebrate her birthday. Yeah, her birthday was about, what, five days before? Yeah. So we know that she had some plans, and we have a general version for that weekend of what the plans are to be. But now we're going to start getting into some things that we don't know exactly what happened. But we also know that the following weekend, so she has plans for that weekend. Saturday, I'm going to make some food for my friends. We're going to have a little get-together here. The following week, my mother's going to come into town. Correct. So she's got things that she's looking forward to as well. You know, she's got Friday off. Well, it depends on if you like your mother or (laughs) or your friends. Um, she's got Friday off. She tells her, her employer, Hey, I'm going to stop by for these reasons. We know she's scheduled to work on Saturday. Her dinner party is going to be after her shift on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then as you stated, mom is coming into not town, not just the town into the country to visit me in about a week. Now we do know some things that happen for certain one. We have CCTV footage that captured Annie at the Allied Irish Bank in Sandy Mount sometime before 11 a.m. Right. I get a little frustrated here with these reports, Captain, because it's it's closed circuit TV footage saying that this is sometime before 11 a.m. So to me, it's not really clear how this time frame is not more specific or more exact. Considering that CC, she's on video. Yeah, every CCTV camera, their clocker is always wrong. Yeah, we're on, we've done like 380 episodes. Mm-hmm. So we've covered well over 100 cases. And anytime there's security footage involved, they've never seemed to have the clock right. Right. It's a tricky thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very tricky. What time is it now? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So... It says sometime before 11 a.m. in the reports that I have found. Now, she is visible on the CCTV footage wearing a knee-length coat and carrying a satchel. At the bank, she is there chatting and talking with staff who say they knew her. These are people that say, mm-hmm. not only was that Annie, but we we know her not just you know as a, as a customer, whatever. We've seen her multiple times. There, apparently, there are a few different versions and you and I were talking about this in the garage earlier of what her activities were were that day at were, the were. bank uh-huh. were were uh-huh. what time is it now uh who knows um clocks are off by about an hour there are stories that say she was simply making a deposit or a withdrawal right the more specific reports that I've read captain say that she was actually transferring an account to this branch from another branch from a different area of town. 
and making a bit of a leap here. Right, and I've heard the opposite, that she's actually taking her money out of this bank to open up a different uh, different account at a different bank. Okay. So I'm, I'm making a bit of, of a leap here, say. but if we go back to what we do know, we know that she fairly recently moved to this specific area. Mm-hmm. So it does seem likely that she could be transferring an account to this branch. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a car, but the car you will notice is really absent from this story. My understanding is that it was a manual transmission and you know how it is. Some people buy those and they don't know how to operate a manual transmission. It sounds like she wasn't comfortable doing so. And so you'll see throughout this story, she's often walking places yeah, or that's, getting that's on how, a bus. Right. That's how our community was set up anyways. It was not that far from Dublin. So it was considered the best spot to live if you wanted to commute in and out of Dublin. This this sounds like an idyllic place to live if you like okay you got a little bit of schooling you want to finish up Mm -hmm. you got this cool job working at cafe java you can walk basically everywhere that you need to get be it to a pub or to the bank or wherever Mm -hmm. sounds like a fantastic place now my thought is because she's recently moved there maybe she was transferring an account for whatever reason regardless of what she was doing there that day we know several things one she's seen by people that know her Right. And she is captured on surveillance footage. Yeah, and you can see the footage for yourself. And just by looking at a handful of pictures of Annie and then looking at that footage, it's very clear that's 100% her. And I'm going to make another leap here that I think is spot on, my friend. Not only because we've seen it a million times, Mm -hmm. but the next part of the timeline kind of clears this up, right? So she then goes to the... Quinsworth supermarket Mm -hmm. where her receipt, which would later be found in her apartment. The receipt is timestamped for 11.02 AM for that day. So that tells you that yes, the the clock on the surveillance footage is wrong. And so they, they know that it was before 11 because she was at the supermarket at 11 making these purchases on her way back to her flat. She used a public phone kiosk to make two phone calls that we know of. She could have, I want to stress this, she could have made more calls, Mm -hmm. but we are aware of what two of these calls were. Again, this is 1993, so there'd be public phones everywhere. Yeah, payphone, a public phone kiosk sounds so much nicer than payphone. And I don't know if it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't have to pay, I don't know, but... My understanding is that the phone they had in their flat, their landline, mm-hmm. it didn't always work. Mm. And so it was not uncommon for her to use one of these public phones. Now, let's get to the calls. One of the phone calls was to her friend Hillary, uh, just confirming that he and Rita would be coming over for dinner on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Just to firm that up a bit. The second call was to a female friend named Anne O'Dwyer. Annie invited Anne to go hiking with her later that day. The chosen location for the hike is an area called Enniscary. Mm-hmm. According to their visitor website, the village of Enniscary is located just 30 minutes south of Dublin City and is the gateway to Wicklow which is referred to as the Garden of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Widely regarded as one of Ireland's most charming villages, Enniscary is a wonderful place to visit, live, and work in. That's not my endorsement. That's from their website. Yeah. More, more, well, I don't think their website's going to go, come here. It's, it's a real dump. It's a real dump. More importantly to our story is that one of Annie's favorite, this is one of her favorite areas to hike. And she had been there many times before, often with this friend that she's calling and asking, hey, do you want to go with me later today for a hike? Right, right. We've done this before. Let's do it again. Again, judging from what I could see on their site, on their website, this is a very scenic area with waterfalls and gorgeous views. So I've seen pictures. It's a real dumpster fire. <laughs> it makes sense that this would be a desired place to go hiking. Now, Anne, her friend... not. Annie and Anne, it gets a little confusing, 
and her friend that she invited had recently suffered an injury to her ankle, an ankle injury. And she told Annie that she could not go along with her that day. Annie then tells Anne, hey, that's fine. I hope you feel better, but I might go anyway by myself. So this call to Anne was really the last known contact Annie had with any of her friends. At this point, it appears that Annie returned to her flat. Right. It is not known exactly what she did in the next couple of hours, but it seems that she made some pies and did some laundry. Sometime after 1 p.m., a plumber saw Annie leaving the apartment complex, heading toward the New Grove Avenue bus stop. Mm -hmm. He says the two said hello as they recognized each other. A second witness, this is Bruno Borza, owner of a shop nearby, says he saw Annie flag down the departing number 18 bus, shouting for it to stop. This bus was headed along to a westerly route to Ranelagh, and it did not run very often, Captain. So Annie's flagging this bus down rather than waiting and waiting and waiting for the next one to arrive. Mm -hmm. The bus stopped, and she boarded the bus, and the bus drove off. Before we move on, I do want to note something here. We have the plumber who says that sometime around 1 o'clock is when he saw Annie. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he's using to judge this this time off of. You know, I don't... Sundial. I don't think he's saying, that. hey, I looked at my watch and I saw her walk by at, at 10 after 1. Mm-hmm. Regarding the the items that we get into after this in the timeline, it would actually seem that that time stamp should be pushed back a little further, that this likely happened around 2 or 2.30, which doesn't really mean much. I mean, we just have somebody, an eyewitness, saying, yeah, I saw her leaving the complex, and I believe it was around this time. It might, in fact, be just a little bit later. Now, in Ranelagh, Annie was seen by a former colleague, someone who says they knew her well. She's seen waiting in line for the number 44 bus. This is around 3.40 p.m. Mm -hmm. This bus was the one that ran to Enniscary, which would be about 12 miles away in the Wicklow Mountains, where Annie told her friend Anne that she had planned to go on the hike. Right. The colleague named Amir O'Grady did not get a chance to speak to Annie as she sat downstairs on the bus while Annie sat in the upper deck. While When Amir got off, I guess they got off in, in Milltown. Is Amir a guy or a girl? Uh, a girl. Right. Uh, she says that she did not see Annie get off the bus at any time. So her assumption is that Annie was still on the bus when Amir gets off mm -hmm. and then, you know, she gets Annie's getting off at a different stop later. What's strange about this is, according to this timeline, Annie would not have arrived in the mountains to begin her hike until around 415 p.m. In late March, sunset was typically at 6.45 p.m. So a lot of people have brought this up, that it seems like she's going to a lot of trouble to go on a hike that might be less than two hours or last about two hours. She's taking two buses. That's yeah. not that big of a deal. But, but she's traveling far from home to a desolate area. It's not that far. Hmm. I, I, th I think that's Under debatable. 20 miles. I think that's debatable. Where, where hmm. I combat that that debate is I'm a person that enjoys hiking. However, most of the hikes I go on are fairly short. And in fact, they're shorter than two hours. So, um, kind of seems like you don't like hiking. No, the, the trail that I like is, is close to my home and you can take it three different routes. One would take you about an hour and a half. One takes an hour. One takes about 40 minutes. I prefer the hour long one, uh, selfishly because, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are about an hour long. So mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the hour long tr trail works well for me, but 
to to the defense of the people that say, hey, this seems like a lot of movement here to go hiking by yourself for a short period of time. The trail that I take that's on that short hike is is very close to my home. It's it's incredibly convenient. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, all of these sightings of Annie on Friday the 26th seem to be accepted by the Gardee as pretty reliable, which I, I guess it seems pretty logical because either the witnesses were all people who were acquainted with Annie you know, such as the, the former colleague, Amir, right. or they were able to describe her accurately enough that police were comfortable that their information was correct. Well, let's dive into that right after this quick beer break. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, 
you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers to the Dayton Flyers. I'm a huge Dayton Flyers fan now. Mm-hmm. Obi Toppin, my boy, my boy. We're gonna go win a championship. You're gonna go. And play I got basketball. the Buckeye. I got the Buckeye. Yeah. Uh, are you into basketball as much as you are into hiking? More so because it requires no hiking. Um, these next two sightings of Annie are much more up for debate. And rightfully so, because I think you'll agree with me, Captain, there are some serious questions as to whether they are accurate or not. So a woman who worked at the post office in Ennis Carey, who was interviewed, this is in the weeks after Annie's disappearance, said that a tall American woman came in on that Friday to buy some stamps. Remember that since... Annie was not native to Ireland. She would have stood out simply by virtue of her accent. Right. And remember also that these are small towns, really villages where people know each other and recognize faces. But let's keep in mind, no one can say for certain if it was Annie that the postal clerk saw, but let's say that it was and that the clerk is correct. If she was correct, then Annie was at the post office in Ennis Carey between 4 and 5 p.m. This would mean that perhaps Annie decided to hang around in Ennis Carey rather than go hiking. The next sighting is one that is hotly debated. It is a sighting supposedly of Annie at Johnny Fox's pub between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. This pub, dating all the way back to 1798, Mm -hmm. is a known tourist destination referred to as Ireland's highest pub because of its mountain setting at 920 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. And Annie had been there before. This would not be her first rodeo, as they would say. Yeah, this is a tourist hotspot. There you go. There... There were an estimated 350 people there that evening. That's a lot of people at a bar. After seeing Annie on the news, a bouncer named Sam Duran came forward and told the guardee that he remembered seeing a woman that night who he was certain was Annie. Right. He was the guy, uh, the bouncer at the front of the bar collecting. There was a cover charge that night because there was music. That's correct. Yeah. She's trying to get into this. It's like a separate event area of Johnny Fox's, the mm-hmm. Hooli Room, that was putting on a traditional Irish folk music show where I would be seen there river dancing my face off. Right. The bouncer told her that there was a two pound cover charge and. He says that she seemed surprised by this and began to, you know, she's rummaging through her bag looking for money to pay the cover. Well, and this gentleman has a very thick Irish accent. And so that's another thing that would give Annie away would be the fact that she 
was American and spoke English, but with an American accent. Right. Well, and I this is where I think the, the Unless she was like one of those posers that started like trying to talk like she's Irish <laughs> just because she's living there. Or or an Irish lady that is a poser trying to speak uh, uh sound American. Right. What what is that movie um uh crap, I can't think of it. It's one of the Oh, that doesn't help much. One of the diehards where right. where the foreign terrorist guy he's like all you have to do is chew gum and you sound american. Oh. It's pretty easy to do apparently. It's possible. <laughs> so just say Walmart a lot. The the thing though too that I think gets a little dicey with a lot of this is 5 foot 8's fairly tall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's above average height for a lady. Uh she has an american accent. It's almost like But the can, tough can, thing though too is that she does have irish features. She does. But could you see a situation where somebody gets confused because they saw a tall American woman right. and just made the leap that it was, in fact, Annie? Especially in a place like this that is known for tourism, you know, to have a lot of tourists visiting. This seems like a very American thing to go to if you're visiting Ireland. Well, first we have the plumber. I, I question that just based on the time. As far as, like, did he see her? Probably he saw her. What time was it? One was it closer to eleven? We've seen constantly with eyewitness reports them being completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, could he have? Uh, did he see Annie on her way to the bank? I don't know, but at least we know that somebody saw her that day. But that doesn't matter anyways because we have her on CCTV. And then she's flagging down this bus, possibly. Uh, she would probably be more known to people in her area anyways because she's working at a coffee shop. And how many of those right. individuals go in and get coffee and, and, and see her? And maybe not know her personally, but know her through know the coffee shop. Know of her, yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and there's probably not, you know, the these there's a handful of American students in school with her. And so they were all kind of popular by default. So we don't know. We have no 100% proof that she got on that bus. We don't have any kind of record that she bought a you know, a, a token or bought a pass for the bus. We have no clue. So we have no clue if she even got on the bus. From there, we have somebody that supposedly knows her but doesn't actually make contact with doesn't her. Doesn't speak with her. Yeah. Right. So, again... There's been several times that I've been places where I thought I saw somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my buddy. And mm-hmm. you start walking over. Nope, that's not my buddy. Is that possible? It's definitely possible here. So really, we have no proof where she's at mm-hmm. at all. And so can we, you know, there was actually a, a investigator from Scotland Yard. Mm-hmm. that worked this case and he he kept saying if you get to this point that we're at this bar and you believe this individual and you believe this bar, uh, bouncer and he says i know 100 percent for certain it was this girl again he doesn't know her right so other than pictures and his memory and he's he sees her on the news and he's like oh yeah i that friday she was in line, and I, I remember telling her it's two pounds. Right. So it's not even like it's it's not later that night he's telling somebody this. It's not – and look, again, I'm not faulting this this man. Right. I, I just – I believe he's trying to help mm-hmm. the situation. I just question if seeing that many people that night in a touristy area, if he was in fact right. And here's the other thing, too. When you see a picture of somebody on the news, you know, we've done this with other disappearances or, or really other victims in general. Right. You see one picture of that person. And I mean, with Amy Maholovic, she's got that one famous missing persons poster, right. the flyer. And if you look at some of her other pictures or that video of her up in front of the classroom giving a presentation, she doesn't look like that famous photo of her. Yeah. And, and what I'm getting at with that is, 
what did this gentleman see on the news to lead him down the road of, oh, yeah, I saw her? And I think we should add a little more detail because he does have a little more detail to his uh, sighting. Well, he was saying that she was searching for the money, and then this gentleman behind her was like, I'll pay for both. Yeah, he says a... A man in his late 20s who was standing behind her in line offered to pay for them both. But this also makes somewhat sense because they would have been similar ages. And he said, regardless if it was Amy or Annie or not, the woman accepted his offer. Right. The bouncer says that this man was at least five foot eight inches tall, wearing a three quarter length waxed canvas jacket. Uh, he's of athletic build, clean shaven with a short military style haircut. He was holding a pint of beer. The, as we said, the man paid and Annie or the woman thanked him and she walked into the Hooli room with him. The bouncer, he, he called this gentleman flat chested with broad shoulders, which is, you know, I've never actually heard that term. He was describing an athletic build. Mm hmm. So I've never heard um, flat-chested what what that would mean for a man. Flat-chested, broad shoulders. I'm guessing just maybe skinny. Yeah, athletic build. But um, but he would have a good, okay, if Annie's 5'8", and let's just assume it's her, then he would have a good indication of how tall this individual was. Oh, he's roughly about the same height as her, maybe a little bit taller. So yeah. five eight to five ten. Yes, and that's what I think the the specific report says that in that five foot eight to five foot ten range. He also says that he does not recall seeing Annie or at least the woman he believes to be Annie again at any time that night. And according to the Long Island Daily News, an exhaustive canvassing of the area turned up no one else who recalled seeing her at Johnny Fox's that night well see yeah i have different reports that a handful of people said it was possible that yeah they it saw. was possibly that they saw her that that night backed up the bouncer's story but what we can agree on here is it's far from clear whether annie was actually at johnny fox's at all that night or if there was just a american burnett american roughly five six to five eight in this pub yeah that's a tourist hot spot the other thing, too, is the pub, Johnny Fox's, is about 3.5 miles from Ennis Carey in yeah. the village of Glen Cullen. If Annie was there, we don't have anybody telling us how she got there. And what was she doing in the Ennis Carey area all evening leading up to this? Because this is between 9 and 11 p.m. at night that she's supposedly seen at at Johnny Fox's. Right. So there's nearly a four-hour time period between these supposed sightings of when Annie was, I mean, she's unaccounted for. So something really, this could, if this is not Annie at all in these other sightings, then something happened before this, well before this. Right. It's really difficult, but most investigators believe the friend that saw her getting onto the next bus to take her to her destination, take her to the place that she told people she was going to go hike that day. Mm-hmm. Most investigators believe that eyewitness. So if you believe that eyewitness, she is in that area. Yes, right. this pub is three point some miles away. That's not that far, depending on which part did she hike? Did she meet up with people? Did she call her friend you know, Anne and her leg was, you know, hurt and she called somebody else. Is right. there somebody that she knew from her past male or female that she just was like, well, I'll call them when I get up there. Or she made additional calls at that, that public phone that right. we, we just don't know of. I mean, yeah. or possibly made another stop at a different phone because again, I don't know how big that city is, but back in the early nineties, there's pay phones all over the place, at least here. So I'm just assuming that there'd be more than one local phone that should make calls at. The other thing that we have to question too, is at some point in the night, the buses will stop running. 
So right. if she was at at Johnny Fox's at 11 p.m., you know, yeah, that's at the later end of that possible sighting of her. But if she is there at that time, how was she planning on getting back home to Sandy Mount if, in fact, she intended to go there? Right. And I did see um, our friend Jessica pointed out that somebody on Reddit, so take this with a grain of salt. We don't know. I take everything with a grain of salt. <laughs> Which I got. She said that somebody on Reddit stated that taxis back in 1993 in that area were very uncommon. So once the buses right. were done, it seems like your public transportation options are nil. So you're going to have to rely on somebody else to get you back home or stay with somebody that yeah but that let's night. let's break this down real quick so we know that she hits the bus roughly about one something that leads her to another bus around three something right yeah well okay so okay, so that that bus would get her into this area about three thirty, maybe four o'clock yes she would have been there uh, at four fifteen. Okay, so roughly four o'clock. And when we get there, let's just—if I'm going to go on a hike, let's say it's two hours. That's going to put me in about six fifteen, six thirty. Yeah. By then, I need to make uh, my plans on if I'm going back. Right. But if you're hanging out with some friends, right? Mm-hmm. You made some other arrangements. You're meeting up with a guy. Now you have other options. And so what's interesting is we have these sightings of Annie, but in this crucial time, like you said, where you're going to have to make some arrangements, it seems like we have no sightings of her. Right, and here's the other thing that you have to consider in this thought. If she made plans with other people or another person that we are just unaware of, right? we're unaware of that person because they chose not to come forward and tell us, hey, I hung out with Annie that evening. That means that person did something, is responsible, or knows what happened to her. Yeah. So here's some other things that, that I think we should consider as well, and this is where it makes it even more confusing regarding the the whole Johnny Fox possible sighting. It was later discovered that there was another American woman there at Johnny Fox's that night, that Friday night mm-hmm. who actually resembled Annie and was dressed in a similar manner. Right. Appa- apparently this other woman really confused things in the course of the Gardee's investigation because it was unclear which you know, which sightings were of this other woman and which sightings were that of Annie so much and so much so that in fact, the guardie tracked down this other woman and asked her not to wear certain types of clothing because when she, when she did, they kept getting phone calls saying, Hey, I spotted Annie at this place. I spotted I saw Annie, the missing woman at this place. Right. We're going to need you to only wear bikini tops from now on. Yeah. And it, it turned out to be, you know, turned out to be her. Now the man, right, right. But here's what we know for certain: this this lady went to that bar. There's eyewitnesses of the that girl being at that bar. They tracked her down. She's alive. And I'm going to tell you that to me, this this sighting doesn't mean anything later. But we'll have to get there. Well, what what I have in my notes here is that the woman, as you said, they spoke with her. She says that she she was not the woman in line that got paid for the cover charge got paid for by some man that she didn't know. Right. She says I was there with my mother. Mm -hmm. So, and she would have remembered, Hey, this guy paid for me. Right. Like, so I, I think that clears up that there was another American girl in that bar. Somebody paid for her way in, mm -hmm. not this lady. According to a 2019 article appearing in University Express entitled Ireland's Vanishing Triangle Unanswered Annie McCarrick, this alleged sighting, the Johnny Fox one that we've really gone round and round about, right. is now strongly believed not to have been Annie at all. 
but just as you stated, some other American person, likely a tourist. Other sources are certain that the bouncer saw Annie that night, but truly what I think we can agree on here, Captain, the upshot here is we don't know for certain whether it was Annie or not. It sounds like both you and I are leaning toward that it was not Annie. No, that's not my that's not what I think. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I I was just saying it's a possibility. Gotcha. But, but that's weird that they're they're making claims that they don't think it's her. You know, the only other claim we have other claims of people in the bar that say that they possibly saw her. It could have been the other girl that looked like her. Mm -hmm. But we have another, like you're saying, the stamps was within that vicinity as well. Yes, much earlier, but but uh, about three and a half, four miles away. Right, but again, it's maybe 15 minutes to walk a mile. Right. So now one thing we do need to state here and our regular listeners will not be happy to hear this at all. This is according to Irish times to an Irish times article about Annie's disappearance. She was known to hitchhike around Dublin, even at night and even by herself. Apparently, many young people at the time considered this a valid form of transportation, that it was safe to do this in this area. We did mention how safe Ireland is and this area specifically. So, Yeah, it's so safe that we have a, a triangle of missing women. Right, right. It's so safe. So is it possible that, that it was Annie at the pub and maybe she planned to hitchhike her way back to the apartment complex after the pub closed or after that going to that show. And when she did something bad happened, or as we said, perhaps she met up with someone or perhaps she hit it off with the man who paid for her in line. And then things went bad. Yeah. But they also, a lot of people at the bar believe that not only did this man pay for her to get in, but that they set together and he actually bought her drinks all night. Now, if that's true, and a lot of people believe that if it was Annie in the bar, that she would have had to be there with somebody paying for things because she didn't have the kind of money that she could go to. This is a, this is not just a normal pub there. This is a tourist hotspot. Mm-hmm. So what do they do with the prices? They jack them up, my friend. Right. They jack them up. Top dollar. Yeah. That's what she said. Jack them up. Um, but... So a lot of her friends, a lot of people speculate if she was in the bar that she would have to be with somebody that would be paying for the drinks. And to me, it's more likely that she'd be getting a ride back to their place or they would, or they told her, I'll give you a ride back or whatever it would be. But it's also, like I said, it's not extremely far away. It's not like she's 50 miles from home, a hundred miles from home. She's within 20 miles from her house. Yeah, and and again, that leads us to the other problematic portion of the story. If, in fact, she did meet up with this man, this man in his 20s, who it sounds like the bouncer has reason to believe that this man did not know Annie prior to offering to pay for the two of them to get in, we've already mentioned her picture on the news. We've already mentioned that this was actually a really big investigation over there at this time. Part yeah. of that is because it's an American woman in another country yeah, who but, went uh, missing. Right. A part of that is we have a lot of missing girls. Now on top of that, we have a missing American. Well, she's the first in, she's the first in the series. So these other ones haven't occurred yet. No, well, and we'll, don't rain on my parade. We'll get into that in, in tomorrow's episode. But What I want to point out here, again, we have another situation where we talked about earlier. If she's meeting up with somebody that knew her that was supposed to be her friend and they've never come forward, that's highly suspicious. Same situation here. If she sat and spoke with this man, hung out with him that night long enough for him to get to know her and he's never come forward, then you have to be highly suspicious of this unidentified young man that was at Johnny Fox's. That's why I believe the bar, uh, the bouncer. Sorry, the bouncer assumed that these two were together. The actions and with a, oh, I'm looking for money. Oh, don't worry about it. I got it. 
again, if it was just somebody that you just bumped into in line and you heard about this girl going missing and you went, oh, I paid for her way to get into that pub. Make a phone call to the police. Oh, by the way, I was the man that paid for that lady's way to get into the pub. I don't know her. I was there with another group of friends. We didn't even sit with her or maybe we did sit with her, but we don't know what happened to her because we never saw her leave. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If it was purely innocent or the person didn't know this girl, then why wouldn't they come forward and just say, oh, yeah, we saw her at the bar. I paid for her way to get in. That was it. I don't know her. But so to me, if this girl was Annie, she was there at a bar with somebody that she knew. What we do know that happened is the following day on Saturday, Annie did not show up for her shift. She had a morning shift at work. She does not arrive to this. This is completely out of character for her. Yeah, and, it was like a part day shift. Yeah. And then she was going to have her friends come over, friends come over, and she's not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no one, I guess, really raised the alarm when she didn't show up for work. It sounds like the alarm bells start going off that Saturday evening when Hillary and Rita, the two friends, mm -hmm. showed up at the flat, at Annie's flat, at 8 p.m. This is for their planned dinner party. They say no one answered the door after repeated knocking. The pair eventually decided, hey, let's go to this pub, sit down for a little bit. Maybe she's running late or whatever's going on and she's not home yet. Mm -hmm. We'll kill about a half an hour. They try to, uh, they Bad try to, of words. yeah, sorry about that. They go to the pub and then about a half hour later, they return to Annie's flat. They're knocking again, knocking again, still receiving no response. Eventually they went home. Yeah. Probably a little confused, a little upset. They had yeah, plans expecting a dinner, right? Yeah. Right. They decided to try to call the flat to try to call Annie. But apparently, I guess they realized they did not have the number. So they called Nancy, Annie's mother, who was at home, just to get the number. Say, hey, we're trying to get a hold of Annie. We realize we don't have her phone number. Right. They told Nancy that Annie wasn't home for their planned dinner date. But Nancy, too, did not really make much of this. Well, she could have got stuck at work. There could have been an emergency that she just didn't let anybody know about yet. No, no need to panic after a couple hours. Correct. Meanwhile, Annie's roommates, they returned Sunday evening and found that Annie had never unpacked her Quinsworth bag of groceries that she had bought. She made these purchases on Friday. It was, it was sitting just inside the front door with things like meat and, cream and butter inside things that should have been refrigerated mm -hmm. it was later confirmed that the bag contained everything annie purchased at the grocery store that friday they also found wet laundry this is annie's clothing wet laundry in the communal washing machine for the apartment complex this is where it's so confusing for me first it seems like that time where you got friends coming over the next day Mm -hmm. you, you went and did um, a little errand, maybe got money from the bank, maybe switched your account. Then you get a little food from the grocery store. Now you got to come back. You're doing a bunch at once. You're going to do a little cleaning. Got to put the groceries away. I got to do a load of laundry. But normally you don't, those things you finish. At least you get the, the, the clothes from the washer into the dryer. You at least put the food into the refrigerator. It seems like all that got stopped. And, and it's so strange to me that people just assume that all those things got stopped and then she jumped on a bus and went for a hike. Yeah, that's what's troubling here. And they also found a pie on the counter. You know, we said Annie was making some pies and some baked goods for right. Cafe Java that she was going to drop off on Friday. Remember, that's the day in question. There's a pie on the counter. So 
This is what the roommates find when they get home Sunday evening. And eventually they hear from Hillary, the friend that was supposed to come over Saturday evening. Right. They call the flat. He calls the flat, speaks with the two roommates who have now returned and says, look, yeah, she wasn't home when we tried to go there yesterday for our scheduled birthday dinner party. And now the roommates and the friends over the phone are starting to put some things together and say, hey, this doesn't seem right here. Something here just does not feel right. So Hillary, the friend, calls up Nancy McCarrick, Annie's mother. Right, calls her again. and, and now Remember, that- she wasn't worried the first time, but now by this point, she Annie could have been missing for 72 hours yeah, she, but and just, didn't show up for work or for her own dinner party. Right, but if I go over to my buddy's house and I open up the washer and there's a load of clothes in it, no big deal. People do that all the time. But if I walk into somebody's house and there's bags of groceries, maybe just a couple of them, but has maybe milk or meat or whatever, something that could go bad, I'm going, there. there's an issue here. To right. me, that's a big red flag. That's right. All right, thanks for joining us here in the garage. For more True Crime Garage, check us out on the Stitcher app and check out our bonus show called Off the Record. We have over 90 episodes available of Off the Record. That's on Stitcher Premium. We got a lot more to get to in this case. Please join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Collider says BritBox has TV everyone should be watching. Stream acclaimed series with powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey, and Matthew McFadden. Discover new BritBox original series you won't find anywhere else. Like Three Little Birds, Agatha Christie's Murder is Easy, and a new chapter of BAFTA-winning drama, Time. Stream what the New York Times calls the best of British telly, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com.